The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to According to Ayurveda and Yoga with your host, Ann Holiday. Ayurveda and yoga are often poorly understood, and there are many misconceptions about them. According to Ayurveda and Yoga is a series of shows on the concepts of this ancient knowledge of life and consciousness presented in a way which is easy to understand. Now, here is Ann Holiday. Welcome to According to Ayurveda and Yoga. This is your host, Anne Holiday. Our program today is on women's health, and I'm going to start by talking about women and spirituality. In the program so far, we have talked about energies of the five elements, which are space, air, fire, water, and earth. We have discussed qualities in the mind which are of purity, action and the resistance to action. And we've talked about the vital energy stored in the root chakra, which is called the Kundalini. Energy, through the breath, is brought in through the right nostril and is positive and flows on the right side of the spinal cord. It is heating and represents the sun. It crosses over at the third eye to the left brain, which is the masculine side, and gives the fire of ambition, sexual drive, anger, aggression, combativeness, competitiveness. And the breath energy on the left nostril flows on the left side of the spinal column and is negative, which is cooling and represents the moon or lunar energy. It crosses over at the third eye to the feminine side of the brain and represents love, compassion, peace, harmony, healing, emotion, caring. Men and women have all of these qualities and masculine qualities are necessary to protect, to procreate, to hunt and the feminine qualities of caring, emotion, creativity instinctiveness are necessary for childbearing and are more prevalent in women. The two energies are essential to work in harmony together. Both are equally important. Feminine qualities are similar to Sattva and is why the Vedas revered the goddess. In ancient times, women ran the societies, reared the children grew the food and maintained stability, while the men were fighting off enemies, hunting and protecting. This was realized by the Romans, who were the conquerors and invaders of that period, that women had to be suppressed because of their perceptive powers, and this gave their tribes an advantage and made them much more difficult to conquer. 
So they persecuted the women as witches. But it was really because they had spiritual powers that the aggressive Roman warriors didn't have. An issue which is rarely discussed these days uh, is how the role of women since the feminist movement in the 60s and 70s has impacted modern society. Now, I was very much a part of the feminist movement. In those days, it was easy to convince us that we were suppressed because we saw older women who had dedicated their lives to their families And when their children left home and the husband took off with a younger woman, they were left with nothing. That wasn't going to happen to us. We were going to be educated, have a career, just like men, and we had to have the same freedom to walk away from a relationship as men apparently had. However, we didn't consider what would have happened in the war if it hadn't been for these women. Men were being slaughtered by the thousands on the battlefields and women had to keep the home fires burning, grow the food and look after the children. The female role in war was never considered to be lesser because everyone was in it together. Men couldn't take over the women's role any more than women could fight it out on the battlefield. Clearly, the feminist movement was necessary. Women should be as educated as men, but there is no reason for women to become men. Humans have clearly defined roles, as do all species, and women have an enormous influence over society but we don't have to give up our femininity. It does seem that modern women have lost respect for the role of a woman. And we don't, if we don't respect ourselves, how can we expect others to respect us? I believe that there is far too much male energy in the world today when force, aggression and power are the only ways to approach conflict. Perhaps if it were evened out by female energy with understanding, love and compassion, we would have a better chance to bring peace to the world. Now, Jaya Devi, a Sanskrit scholar originally from Belgium, is my guest today. She lives in India at the Ajiva Institute in Brindavan, where I stay, and is secretary to Dr. Satya Narayana Das, who was my guest on the Mental Health Show a few weeks ago. Jaya has published a book called From Taj to Vraj, which reveals the feminine nature of the soul and describes her personal journey to find love, and happiness. This interview was recorded in India some months ago when I was suffering from a cold, so I do apologize for my voice. I was really intrigued by the book that you just published, and I have been reading it. Um, and it is about your own personal journey, right? That's right. Would you um, 
like to tell me how that all started and uh, what brought you to the place where you are now and, and what inspired you to write this book? Well, when I was young, I had a promising uh, future ahead of me with many interesting opportunities and yet I was not satisfied at heart. I felt that something was missing in my life. So I decided to leave Belgium, my home country, and on a bicycle travel all over the world to find the happiness, to find true happiness. It took many years for me to find out what I was really searching for as I was going here and there, talking with different people. and Finally, I discovered that what I was searching for is spirituality. And that has really given me true happiness. And now I would like to share my experiences with other women all over the world so that they may also benefit from my search. I believe that since women have now found the freedom that they have always wanted, and actually more than that, perhaps since we are still not satisfied with it seemingly, we need to find another freedom, a freedom from within, and that is spirituality. All right, one of the things that I was... um Thought of, I've been thinking about some of the points that you made in the book, and one of them was about how in the 70s, during the feminist movement, there was um, not really a fight, but there was a movement that wanted se- more sexual freedom for women. Women wanted to be able to wear the clothes they wanted, they wanted to um, feel freer sexually, um, in their in their lives, um, and that obviously was a, a, a an achievement that they had through the feminist movement. But it seems to me that um, that's not really the way it is now, is it? That that it's the 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 pendulum has swung too far the other way, and that was a good point that you brought out in the book. I thought. Uh, yes, that's true. Women have gotten so much freedom now that it seems to have bounced back on them. Uh, in the sense that women have become an object of enjoyment. And this freedom... Mm, and there's not doesn't seem to be any commitments anymore that... Men are not really wanting these women for a permanent permanent relationship. relationship. Yes, that's right. And also it seems, I mean, I'm sure there's always been violence against women, but it seems to me that there's more of it now. Oh, sure. There is more violence now against women because men don't like when women... uh, take too much freedom exploit themselves exploit themselves because men like to protect women mm-hmm. and when we don't want it then they feel that they have lost their role mm-hmm. 
and in some ways they take kind of revenge. It seems that way, doesn't it? Saying yes. that I will show you. You think that you are free and that you don't need us. That's I right. I will show you. That is many times the psychology behind it. And uh, often that seems to be the attitude of women, isn't it? We don't need you anymore. We can bring up the children. We can, we can earn enough money. If that's the way you feel, you know, exactly, we don't yes. need you. And I think it is actually happening because men um, are losing their role, the reality of the situation. They're no longer considered to be the head of the family and the provider and all of those things. Exactly, that's what yes. has happened. Yeah, and I think it's, it's very bad the way the media is exploiting the female body anyway. Yes, that's what has happened. And now women have to rediscover their feminine strength because under the influence of feminism we had to become more mannish up to the extent indeed that we have lost our femininity. And since this femininity is the basis of spirituality, women have lost contact with themselves, with their inner selves. Women have lost contact with their inner selves. And that is why women have to regain their feminine power. Yes. And that will make them happy. Because that is women's power. Their spiritual power. Their feminine self. The freedom that we have gotten so far is only an outer freedom. Which does not give us any satisfaction. On the contrary, it makes us frustrated because we are not in touch anymore with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have lost our role, and at the same time, men have also lost their role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been huge changes, really, haven't there, in the last 30 years? Even though we think of the changes as being able to, you know, be more mobile, being able to go wherever we want, whenever we want. But I think the really fundamental change has been on this particular issue the relationships between men and women exactly because this is one of the most important relationships in this world well it is for humanity isn't it of course because it forms the basis of the society because it's the basis of yeah and by extension of the whole world so if the relation between husband and wife or between men and women is not good then the whole society becomes uh, disturbed and also the children almost dysfunctional doesn't it exactly dysfunctional Mm -hmm. and the children will also be the victims of that exactly and when the children are not well educated or not uh, well taken care of uh, they will create problems for all of us in future yes because these are the future leaders in the future uh, heads of the population. Another point that you made in your book, which I have actually noticed in my practice, in my um, interviews with men, young men, you know, around 40 or so, Mm -hmm. is that they are actually quite confused in many ways because men... A lot, a lot of men want to have a relationship and they want to get married and they want to have a family. Mm-hmm. That's a natural thing for them. But because of the sexual freedom that 
women have attained, they can't necessarily be depend on a Western woman for any future or a permanent relationship. And you saw that quite prevalently, didn't you, in your experience living in Thailand? Yes. In Thailand, where I lived for 10 years, there were many foreigners uh, coming especially to have relationships with the Thai girls. And when I asked them what was so special about them, uh, they told me that it was mainly their um, domesticated nature which allowed them to have a relationship without having to worry that they would run off. Yeah. And that uh, Western women were too independent and they would never know how long they could stay together. Yes. I thought that this was very ironical because in the West we have fought for freedom and I had come all the way, all over the world <laughs> with my freedom and here I saw our men uh, coming and having relationships with Thai girls yes. who were not as liberated uh, as, we, as we were yes. and they seemed to like that more. Yes. So we women should think about that. Absolutely, yes, because we, I mean, it's no good to be liberated if you, if you have no, you know, no relationships, is it? Exactly, and what, what will happen if all what men happens to start our society? Thinking? We have all the men all over men there. All men going to Thailand and, <laughs> and all the Thai <laughs> men coming over to the West because they like the freedom. <laughs> have an upside-down world. Well, I think we already have an upside-down <laughs> <I> world. <laughs> Um, many people in the West tend to feel or tend to have the impression that Eastern women are suppressed. And um, I know a lot of women that I know are very concerned about that. They feel that Indian women in particular are um, downtrodden and they don't have any uh, rights and so on and so forth. And um, I thought what was a, an interesting fact that you pointed out in the book was because of your studies of the Vedas is that in the, in the tradition, in the original tradition, it wasn't like that at all. Men were actually considered to be equal. Men and, men and women were equal. Or there were a lot of rules that actually protected women. Exactly. Men and women were equal, but at the same time, they have their individual differences. They're equal as spiritual beings, but they each have their own role to play. We cannot apply the role of giving birth to children to men. We can also not give the role to women suddenly to go out and earn money. So they both had their own role and they were complementary to each other, not competitive. And nowadays it is opposite. Women are vying with men to have their roles and men sometimes also want to have the roles of women and stay at home and look after children, which is naturally a job or a task for women since they are used to bringing up children. 
and their bodies are also suitable for it. They can give breast. They can breastfeed children, something which men cannot do. So under the influence of feminism, the relationship between men and women has changed. Because the role of the woman it can't be taken away, really, can it? Because the woman has the body for the children. Exactly. But it's easy to take away the role of the man by taking over his um, role in the family, which is the, the breadwinner, isn't it, or the provider? That's right. And women are trying to do both, and it's impossible. It's impossible. There's a high price to pay for women. Because to work outside and earn money and then to come home and still having to do the housekeeping and looking after the children is too much. And that is why some women become tired, burned Well, they end up by not doing anything very well, don't they? Exactly. Yes. Because the children will be neglected. Uh-huh. And... In the, in the workplace also she may not be able to function 100% because her mind is most of the time at home where duties are waiting so women become divided within themselves mm-hmm. and a person who is divided within himself or herself cannot be happy so we have to regain our true self as women and see what we really want. Yes, and I think I think we also have to remember that we are natural beings. We, even though we tend to think of ourselves as being more sophisticated than mm-hmm. birds and you know animals that out there, but in actual fact, even though we we have this consciousness, nevertheless we are natural beings. We. We have evolved along with the birds and the fish and the, uh, the other beings on the earth. And we, when we, in the beginning, we were not driving cars and uh, getting our food from the local shop. I mean, all of that's evolved relatively recently in our own history. So we also have to get back, I think, to not only to our natural self, with in relationships but into our natural selves as being able to commune again once again with nature we seem to have lost that also oh yes we have lost contact with mother earth and because of that also we have lost touch with ourselves mm-hmm, of because course. we are a part of mother earth we have come from her we go back to her but we have forgotten that and we tend to believe that we are so sophisticated that we don't have to give anything back to the earth. We are only taking. Yes. And we forget that we have to give something back to the earth. Well, it can't, you can't do that forever, though, can you? Because it's not a, an infinite resource. Exactly. No. And here in India, people know that. They grow their own vegetables. But whatever is left in the house, they collect and they regularly give it back to the earth. Yes. Recomposting everything. Yes, well, I do that. I try to do that, put it back in the earth. But, um, you know, I'm just one of 
I know not many people are doing that. No, not You know, it's all going are. into the landfill mixed in with the with the plastic and everything else. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So we should all become more aware of that. We we have to raise okay. the awareness. Yes. Well, that's really what I'm trying to do through these. Uh, these programs and with the courses that I have on my website mm-hmm. is to to realize that this is all common sense. This is not a rocket science at all. No. It's just everyday common sense. We just have to start thinking more seriously about it. Thank you very much, sure. um, Jay, for taking the time to be on the program today. It's been lovely having you and talking about this. Thank you for inviting me. According to Ayurveda and Yoga Global Community, welcomes you to join the conversation at ataytv.com, where you can share your experiences of holistic health, ask questions, make comments, and write blogs. It is through ataytv.com that professional members committed to bringing authentic knowledge to the world can connect with you. Material from Ate Radio shows are also available. ataytv.com. Visit ataytv.com today. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you or does somebody you know face an ongoing battle with addiction? Our nation's drug problem is getting worse as we spend billions on the judicial system. It's time to fight the demand for drugs and not the supply. Listen for I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen, who has experienced both IV heroin addiction and recovery and is now here to both help and educate you with his story and engaging guests. There are great resources available for recovery, and there is hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Healthcare professionals spend a lot of time keeping the rest of us from losing it, getting too stressed out, and from burning out. But who helps the healthcare professional from avoiding the same things? A professional coach can help you avoid burnout and by doing so lead a healthier life. Tune in to Dr. Raji Menon's Stress Busters Corner. 
We're here to help those who help everyone else. We help them avoid burnout themselves. Tune in every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Biohacking for Health is working with your individual biology to gain access to and control over the systems within your body. It allows you to explore your biology and improve health and wellness. Each of us has unique genetic profiles and physiology that require individualized approaches. On Biohacking for Optimal Health, Dr. Daniel Stickler and his expert guests provide a roadmap to navigate the world of biohacking human potential. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to According to Ayurveda and Yoga with Anne Holliday. If you have questions or comments about our program, we would like to hear from you. Please contact us via email to info at ataytv.com. That's info at ataytv.com. Now, back to According to Ayurveda and Yoga. Welcome back. This is your host, Anne Holliday, on According to Ayurveda and Yoga on the subject of women's health. My next guest is Tara Raphael. She is a certified Ayurvedic practitioner in Colorado. In her practice, Tara helps women to deal with normal life changes in a natural way. Puberty, pregnancy and menopause are not diseases but natural processes and should be dealt with naturally. This is not to say that modern medicine isn't important but if we manage reproductive issues as an illness, we are more likely to upset the normal balance of the female body and create more problems in the long run. Women's health begins in childhood, Tara, I would say. Uh, And I think that mothers need to be the first guru and teachers of um, younger women, especially in um, in their health in their reproductive health. I was recently in Kerala in India and I was privileged to be involved in an ancient tradition of, it was a rite of passage of a young girl of about 12, I think she was, and it was her first period. It was a very important time for the family. I was very impressed by that. And the extended family as well, even the neighbors, people brought gifts over and she stayed at home from school. And the parents even took took time off work to be with her and to have this celebration. And I saw such an uh, amazing effect on this girl. She was obviously very proud to be moving into the next phase of her life. And I thought, what a beautiful tradition it was. And it seems that we have lost so many of these rites of passage in modern society. And I see it as quite a big issue for young women and young girls today because they're plunged into womanhood and adult issues without really very much support and are influenced so much by um, the, you know, peer pressure and all that sort of thing. So I wondered if you had any thoughts on this. Well, I think that it is true it has been lost to the most 
part in this culture. However, there are little pockets of it. And one of the things that I've really noticed on Facebook is the resurgence of red tent societies for women all over the country and the world where women get together during their menstrual times and to discuss such things that women need to discuss and to have um, rituals and quiet time to rest during their moon time. Um, So that is a hopeful sign, I think. And as well, I think it's a very difficult thing with the culture around a young girl and her mother and family does not really support it. I know that in there are special communities, for instance, um, in our town there is a Waldorf school community and they really honor such kinds of ways to uh, really promote the well-being of their children through rites of passage and do have such kinds of things in various forms. Um, I remember because I was a midwife when my daughter was a little girl, she knew about a lot of woman things, just kind of taking it in. And one day she was playing with her doll and she said she sang a little song mary has her moon bloods moon bloods moon bloods so she had kind of just absorbed that without it wasn't like a, that i put that on her but when she came to be a young teenager and first got her period she was very shy and she is just a very private person generally. So I didn't do a whole public thing, but I did mark it with a special um, piece of jewelry and I gave her yes. a red rose and I, and I talked to her about how to take care of her needs to um, sanitary needs. So it was, it wasn't a, as community-oriented because we didn't have as big of a community at that time. But, um, yes, I, I hope... So that, that is growing then. That's, that's really very encouraging. Yes, because it is the young women who are in these moon huts now, in these groups, they will be all the more prepared. Um, in fact, one of the things that I... Um, came up with as a way for women who didn't have that ceremony as a child to have a a really recognition of that moon time and their fertility as a woman is after she gives birth, you don't have your period for a time. So when your period first comes back, after you've given birth, I called that the second menarche. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that it would be a time that women could honor that with their friends in a special ceremony to just really bolster us until we have have it for the young girls as they're all coming yeah. up. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's so important to take care of oneself during that period of time also, isn't it? Oh, um, yes. In Ayurveda in India, they have a specific practice that goes back 
a long, long time. Um, and I went to a meeting where they presented this, um, you know, the sequence. And they actually were doing a clinical trial on these women to see if it actually made any difference to um, PMS, when cramps, etc. cetera. Uh, but they said that the biggest issue was to get women to actually comply with the practice because it's so against modern day living do you um have any uh, adv- any kind of not treatment but uh, sort of a, some advice for women especially who have P- uh, pms that one can incorporate into today's busy life well um what it, it is hard to find the space because one of the important things is to actually rest when yes. you're in the bleeding time. And um, what I found personally when I started to rest that I actually ended up accomplishing more during the next month if I would actually rest at least one day on my heavy bleeding days. And um, I developed a system to let all my friends and coworkers and family know that I was having my period so they would give me space and not mm-hmm. overstimulate me or and they would bring me tea or white on me as I needed and um I wore a special dress that was red it was a long dress and it was kind of a hip it was a hippieish dress in those days mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but <laughs> but women could use something to signal their their little friendship circle that this was a day that they were on their bloods and needed to be given that space and special care by maybe just wearing a certain scarf or a hat or some special piece of jewelry that would be the signal to everyone around them to let them be in that inward space. And um, yes, PMS is often um, related to inflammation and so forth. And that can be helped with following a pitta-reducing diet some for some of these women, depending if it's coming from a vata situation or pitta situation. Um, so it it's quite individual according to the person's symptoms and and what their constitution is, what will work best for them. But in general, the resting and the eating more lightly during the menstrual period, eating digestible, yes. warm soup and stews that are nourishing but easy to digest, well-cooked with just a bit of digestive spices in it to um, help. Because the digestion is a bit lower during this time um, and the body also is in a state of cleansing. And that's why women have tended to be healthier into their later years, um, I believe partly because They've had this way of kind of cleansing their blood and making new blood mm-hmm. each month mm-hmm. um, so that they've kept their rasa and rakta fresh, which feeds all the tissues of their body. And um, so that nutrition 
that is very simple, the resting, the um, not getting cold or overly heated, being yes. in a quiet inward space. I, I suggest to women that they really, you know, can try their best to at least, if they have to go to work that day, then go right home. Don't go exercise at the gym when you have your period. Um, just maybe go for a gentle walk if it's warm outside and pleasant temperature. Or just do some nice, simple stretches in your room where it's quiet. And really recreate that that moon hut or red tent that women For in yourself. so many yeah so many cultures yes. have had it, and so it it's a primordial thing. And I know a lot of women in this modern day see that as a way of saying, "Oh, the menses is bad," and and yes, it's been interpreted that way by some people. That oh, it's because the women are are unclean. That's why you put them over there apart and why they shouldn't cook. But I'm sure that these women were much happier on those days to have a rest and not be cooking for everybody and chasing after the children. Yes, I'm sure there was other reasons (laughs) for it. Yes. 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 As well as the fact that when you're in this state, you are able to connect connect inwardly very easily and in traditional societies women would be um, called upon to ponder questions for their tribe their group of people and see if their intuition was um, bringing new things for their group to survive more peacefully and more fully Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an important time. And it's also a connection, isn't it, to the earth during that period? There's a a closer connection. Yes. uh, When I was still having my cycles, I would um, save my blood and give it to the plants and give it back to the earth because, again, that was the the primordial way of doing it and um, it's full of nutrition and why just throw it away or treat it as waste Um, Mm, 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 mm. we only have a few more minutes um, and there was something I was wanted to ask you about was uh, there's been a lot of concern about the um, use of oral contraceptives, especially giving them to young women nowadays. Um, Is this something that you are seeing quite a lot of, uh, seeing a lot of in your practice? Yes, it's really common. It's one of the first treatments that medical doctors offer young girls if they have menstrual cramps or irregular cycles. But the thing to remember is that irregular cycles are really normal at the beginning of the mm-hmm. menstrual age and that um, to interfere with it by artificially taking control of the hormones um, and fooling the body, basically, um, what oral contraceptives do is fool the body into thinking it's pregnant so that it doesn't ovulate. And um, I see that 
it does affect women in so many unhappy ways. In my practice, um, I've seen that it can cause women to have an overload in their liver, which can lead to many different kinds of problems, especially if they're pregnant. And so I always recommend that if a woman is going off birth control pills, um, that she makes sure that her liver is in a good state through um, having an Ayurvedic check-in and to do things to support her liver to detoxify before she will try to get pregnant. Um, Also, um, it does affect different things for different women, again, according to their constitutions. Like some women find that they lose all their um, sexual interest Mm -hmm. um, because, again, it's, it's interfering with the natural hormonal processes. Mm -hmm. Some women become very bloated and uncomfortable all the time as though they're just going into pregnancy, but they're really not. Yes. And of course, the long-term effects too. We were talking in India about the increase in things like fibroids and ovarian cysts and polycystic ovaries and a lot of, you know, a number of different things. And of course, there's, there's always a, the connection to the breast cancer, to breast health too, isn't there? Yes. Well, the breasts are really, um, they are made of our blood. Like the breasts are so um, connected to how the quality of our blood is. And that's relating to anything that's circulating in our blood. So the breasts are therefore so vulnerable because of that. And um, I always... um, recommend to women to do breast massage as well as abdominal massage to keep the circulation going well in those areas, especially in our culture where we so so many people are often sitting a large amount of time, um, mm-hmm. that to keep those areas flowing and open. And also because the breasts are kind of unique in that the most of our body, the lymph glands are embedded with the muscle areas, so they get um, stimulated very easily. But on the breast area, the muscles are not squeezing and moving the lymph as much. So by massaging the breasts, um, it just helps to keep those lymph cleaning out the the tissues and keeping the vessels open. Yeah. Yes. Keeping it Mm -hmm. moving through. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, uh, Tara, for joining us today uh, with your vast experience in women's health. I know you have a a clinic and thank you so much for telling us about uh, answering some of the questions that I had about whether these these ancient cultures are really being honored in ours. And it's very um, encouraging to hear that indeed they are. Thank you. You're very welcome, and thank you for giving me this chance to share, because I love to share all these many things I know. I wish I could tell every woman. (laughs) Yes. Well, now we have the chance. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Women's health starts when we're young. As well as wholesome foods rich in vitamins and minerals, we need plenty of fresh air, 
exercise and sleep to fully realize complete health. It is the natural state of the body to be healthy and the secret is to start off as we mean to go on. Health when we are young determines health when we are older. Recent studies show the importance of vitamin D in many aspects of health. Ayurveda does not recommend taking supplements, so the best source of vitamin D is sunshine. Every day, we must be exposed to the sun for at least 10 to 20 minutes. It doesn't necessarily take a lot of time. In a health conference recently, it was said that there's a high incidence of osteoporosis in Muslim women due to vitamin D deficiency. Muslim women are always covered and rarely exposed to sunshine. In New Zealand, which is underneath the ozone hole, there has always been a push to wear sunscreen. But now they are seeing serious vitamin D deficiency in children. Of course, lying in intensive sunshine for hours on end is going to cause sun damage, but sun exposure is essential to health. So 10 to 20 minutes every day is important. We've had a lot of discussion about armor, which is the build-up of toxic material over time causing problems in the body. Examples are, but not limited to, tumors, cysts, arthritis, plaques, cholesterol, lung disease, congestion and blockages. Build-up is going to be worse with regular use of medications such as birth control pills and even vitamin supplements. So it is most important to detoxify the body regularly and a thorough detoxification once a year is recommended in Ayurveda. But a full panchakarma is very time-consuming and expensive outside of India. So we recommend cleansing the body regularly using a fruit fast for one day every two weeks. This will prevent toxins getting deep into the tissues and causing problems. Only drink warm water or water with lemon and you can juice the fruit but always take in the fibre. An ongoing cleansing diet is the best way to prevent the build-up of toxins in the body. It should be a wide variety of fresh fruits and vegetables and avoid canned and frozen fruit and vegetables. Canned beans are okay, but wash them thoroughly to remove the salt. The diet should include lots of legumes, beans, greens, Uh, and grains, seeds, nuts, raisins and dried fruit. The body needs fat. Good quality fresh cold press oil is the best for salads and for cooking, ghee is the best because it can tolerate the heat. And a recipe is on the website. Avoid fried foods unless you have cooked them yourself using ghee. Avoid refined sugars and carbonated drinks. And salad dressings are best made fresh. Old salad dressings sitting in the fridge for months will create armour. Milk is important, but can be difficult to digest. So a cup of boiled milk at night is the best way to take in milk. Homogenised milk 
is a problem for digestion. So best is to have skim milk with cream added. Pure milk fat is good for digestion, but only found in raw milk. Other milks on the market are good, such as coconut, almond, rice, but you have to remember these are not substitutes for milk because they don't have the bacteria. Yogurt does and is very good, but make it yourself using whole milk and do not add fruit because you should always eat fruit separately. Avoid too much hard cheese. A little in the middle of the day is best, but avoid having it during kaffir times. Avoid all processed foods as much as possible. We have a saying which says organic junk food is still junk food. Limit baked goods. You will find that when the body is satisfied, cravings for sweet things will pass. Avoid sweets and desserts except for good quality chocolate, which contains a lot of magnesium. But it too should be limited. Fresh whole grain bread is good once in a while, but flat breads such as chapatis, pita bread and naan are better. Add the digestive spices and ginger, garlic and mineral salt to the diet. These will help to keep the channels clear. Menstruating women need lots of iron-rich foods such as whole grains, molasses, beetroot, raisins and a dark green leafy vegetable every day. Jaggery is also rich in iron but is difficult to find in the West. Lettuce will not do it. And cook with cast iron cookware where, if you can, which will add additional iron to the diet. Small portions of high-quality meat once or twice a week is fine. But avoid factory-farmed meat and fish whenever you are able to. Put pressure on your local markets about GMO foods. Ask questions about where your food comes from and eat local. Regular bowel movements are the best indication of a healthy digestive tract. Once or twice a day is normal and it should be first thing in the morning. If this isn't happening, then more fibre, bulk and a reduction in refined foods is needed. Bran is a good way to add bulk. Add it to porridge in the morning. Plenty of water is important, but hot water in the morning is best. Filtered local water is by far the best, but don't drink while exercising, especially iced water, because it will divert energy. So, next week in Pregnancy and Newborns, we will be discussing more issues on women's health. And so, this is Anne Holiday signing off with a little laughing. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to according to ayurveda and yoga be sure to join ann holiday again next tuesday at 10 a.m pacific time and 1 p.m eastern time on the voice america health and wellness channel 
For more information about Anne, our radio program, and supplemental information about what you've heard today, please visit the website, ataytv.com. Until our next program, wishing you health and happiness. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america health and wellness channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericahealth.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.